So who of you were among the uncomfortable ones having to stand up and sing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of us introverts, I tell you. The church I attend makes us stand up at some part of the service and hug somebody. And, go, my, and my son is like, he was like me when I was 19. He's so, or 21, very, very shy. And uh, this is like, poke me with sharp sticks, but don't make me do this, right? <laughs> anyway, great. Thanks, thanks again, Proscunio, for leading us. Um, okay, I've changed what I'm going to say about three times in the, in the last hour. Um, and... Uh, I don't, it's been a long day for many of you, and I think what I want to do is just maybe bring our day to a close. There's going to be a couple of things after me, but my part, just to, to share some stories about what this all looks like, what I'm talking about. Um, plus, I only have one lozenger left, so this has to be a one lozenger message, <laughs> so my throat doesn't start tickling. But let me say before I jump in, thank you again for the, for the opportunity to be with you here at this church. I, we deeply appreciate the partnership with First Ivan over many, many years. Thank you, Pastor Cole, for opening up your pulpit. I don't take that lightly that you would let me stand up here. And of course, Jim, who has uh, uh, been in contact with me and chatting and uh, inviting me in into this space. It's been a deep privilege. And thank you for all you're doing to, for supporting those that have gone overseas to work. And thank you for what you're doing to equip those that stay here to serve in this whole community, bringing the gospel through being salt and light in the workplaces. I, I celebrate that, that in all aspects of life, Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is being magnified as a result of this church. I cheer you on for that. Okay. So this morning we talked a little bit, and I have a bunch of slides. You, you have the most wonderful AV person I've ever met in my entire life. I handed him a PowerPoint presentation. And, and the only reason I'm showing these slides is because of what he did for me. But um, I handed him a presentation. Uh, actually, I didn't have the slide that, in this presentation. That um, five minutes before we were supposed to start, and he goes, no problem, we can do that, I think. Wonderful. But this morning I talked about identity, purpose, and role. And this whole idea, this truth that I believe is in Scripture, that, that any person that was ever created was created by the Godhead to be in relationship with them, taking on their identity, that may, being made in the image of God, but giving the identity as a child of God. Of course, sin came in and destroyed the work of God, or tried to destroy the work of God, and certainly distorted it. But God relentlessly pursued his people for a relationship and then sent Jesus into the world to restore that relationship with the Father. And now that original intent of the Creator has been made new again. And we are children of God when we come in through Christ. We have this amazing identity. And with it comes this incredible responsibility to reflect him or opportunity to reflect him in everything we do in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in our jobs, in our conversations, and that he's uniquely shaped us to do that through, and, and that influences or that speaks to the roles he, give us, he gives us. Let me just say something uh, before I move on to some of these stories. One of the things I've recognized in my life is that I can get those three things so easily mixed up, identity, purpose, and role. And so often I make my role my identity, right? And it becomes who I am rather than how I live out who I am and why I am. 
And what happens? You see, the reality is we have multiple roles. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I used to be a son. Both my parents have passed on, so I no longer have that role. I used to be a pastor, but I'm no longer in the role of a pastor. I'm now a mission leader. Roles change. And if my identity is wrapped up in my role, what happens when it changes? I have an identity crisis. And so let's be very careful that our role doesn't get mixed up with our identity and certainly don't make your role your purpose. So often I hear people say, you know, what, what, what's my purpose in life? My purpose is to be a doctor or, or a businessman. That's not your purpose. That's your role. Your purpose is to glorify God through the role he's given you as a businessman or a businesswoman. And so these three things are really important to sort of understand and then understand then that the calling of God on our life is expressed through these three expressions of identity, purpose, and role. And when we understand it, it's easy for us to step in. And then the other thing, just to clarify once again, as we think of both living this out locally and globally, as we think of this next phase of mission effort globally, what we're saying is that means that so many more are invited into the global mission cause than maybe we've had in the past that was a very small amount of people with a very special uh, approach or narrow approach that we had in mission. Now we're saying, no, if you're a child of God, you're made to reflect him, and he's given you a very unique way to do that. Would you go do that somewhere in the world where God's not worshiped? Instead of being a doctor here in Memphis, would you be a doctor in Riyadh? Instead of being an engineer here in Memphis, would you be an engineer in Central Asia? Because there's people there who will never meet another believer. So what does that look like in practice? Well, let me share just a few stories with you in the time, time that's left. Of, uh, one of them is Mary. Uh, I met Mary in a coffee shop, and this is being live streamed, so I'm going to have to generalize in some of, or being a little bit covered up in some of my, but it's in a country in the world where you would say you cannot be a missionary in that country. And I met her in a coffee shop there, and uh, just an amazing lady. And she said, Andrew, I realized early in life that God had made me my role to be a nurse. I love being a nurse, and I have an education background, and I realized that my job, my role in life was to do this for the glory of God and work for him, not for an earthly master. And so I came to this country to do that. And so I showed up in this government hospital and I was the best nurse I could possibly be because I was doing it to God. And very soon my supervisor came to me and said, <clears throat> Mary, we're watching how you do your job. And there's an excellence with how you do your job. And, and we would love for you uh, to take what you do and teach all the rest of the nurses because your attitude, your actions, the way you care for people, it's just amazing. Could you train all the rest of the nurses? And she said, sure, I'll put a curriculum together. And she did. And she trained all the nurses. A few months later, the CEO of the hospital had noticed that something had changed. And he asked, what, why is it that our nursing level has increased? What happened? What did we do differently? And, and the... Um, they said, well, actually, Mary put a program together and we've trained all the nurses. And he said, well, if that's the case, we need to train the doctors, we need to train the surgeons, we need to train everybody else in the hospital to do what Mary's taught these people to do. And, and so they invited her in to do that and she did that. Not too long after that, that hospital was given an award for excellence in medical care because of what Mary had trained them to do in the hospital. Now, in the context of an honor-shame culture, what Mary had done for the CEO of that hospital was brought him great honor. And so she became untouchable in that hospital. Now he knew she was a Jesus follower. 
He expected that because of the country she came from, at least that she would be a Christian. Uh, now, one of the other things Mary was doing is, was as nurses came to her and also said, Mary, there's something different about your life, she would invite them in to a discussion about Jesus. And she would go and take her material uh, from the, uh, uh, down to the photocopy room. And the photocopy room was held under lock and key by the, the religious policeman. I'll just put this one slide up. Mary, this is actually, it's not the real people, but just to, to his faces to look like in the bottom left-hand corner. She would take all these papers and hand it over to the religious police guy, and he would take them in. And, and she said he knew what it was. They were Bible study materials, and he would photocopy them and give them back to her. And in Arabic, he would say, God bless you, and off she would go. And Mary had these studies with these ladies every week, seeing Muslim nurses coming to faith in Jesus as a result of her witness. She went there knowing that her role was to be a nurse, but it was for this greater purpose, to, for the glory of God, that through her life she would reflect his glory. The glory of God is incredibly attractive as people see it in our lives. And they invited her in. And a hospital was changed. The level of medical care went up. And people came to faith through her witness. You may say, Andrew, is it only really highly qualified people that can get to do this? Well, top left-hand corner represents the story of Esther. She was uh, from a country in North Africa who was a Jesus follower, and she also said, well, in my country there are quite a few believers. What if I go to some country that speaks my language and I could go be a hairdresser? And she went to this very remote place where there was no other Jesus followers in this city, in uh, this country that you would say is inaccessible with the gospel. And she set up a little store and she started to cut her invited ladies in and she was a great hairdresser because she was doing it onto the Lord and she wanted to be the best at it and she would love on these ladies and she would talk about their lives, she would talk about their marriage, she would talk about their kids and she would talk about faith because that was normal in a Muslim society to talk about faith and she would talk about Jesus, that she was a Jesus follower. One day a lady came uh, to her that was a regular and she said, Mary, um, do you, does your Jesus care for me? And Mary, of course, immediately said, absolutely, Jesus cares for you. And then she paused and said, does, Jesus, does your Jesus care enough for me that if you prayed to him on my behalf and asked that I get pregnant, that I would get pregnant? Now, Mary paused a little minute and thought, okay, let me think this one through. And then she said, no, I believe that Jesus can do that for you. And so she prayed in the name of Jesus over this lady. But two months later, the lady came back with a big smile on her face and said, Mary, I want to follow Jesus. I'm pregnant. If Jesus can do this for me, then I want to follow him. Now, Mary had been sharing lots more about Jesus in the meantime. And so that day, Mary came alongside her, explained uh, the full gospel to her, and that lady accepted Jesus. And as they were finished praying, the lady whispered in Mary's ear, Mary, there's three other ladies outside who want you to pray for them as well. Today, Mary is leading a small group of, of these ladies who are studying the teachings of Jesus in that remote city. Why? Because a young lady from another part of the world understood God had made her with these talents as a hairdresser, but they were for his glory, and so she would, went to somewhere where people had not experienced the message of Jesus. She went and lived there and lived it out in such a way that it pointed others to Jesus. Well, is it only, does it only work 
for the spouse who has a job? I often get this question. Well, Susan, represented by the top right-hand picture, Susan's husband went to an, another country that you would say is completely close to the gospel. Can't get in there. He went as a, an engineer, and he got a job in a multinational company. He was overseeing many uh, folks, and in his job, he was getting lots of opportunities to have conversations about Jesus. But what about Susan at home, homeschooling the kids? A very important role, of course. So she uh, decided to get a number of other ladies that were also Jesus followers, uh, who, whose husbands were working in, in different companies, and said, what if we each invite one local friend to our house, and we do some type of a thing, like a craft afternoon with them. We, they, they don't do that over here. We'll bring some stuff in from the US from Hobby Lobby or something, and we'll get them to do some crafts together and just introduce these ladies to what it looks like to be friends together with people from another place. And uh, that's what they did. So they invited these ladies over, and they had this wonderful time of making crafts in the home. At the end of the afternoon together, one of the ladies came to Susan, who's from the US, uh, Susan's from the US, one of these local ladies came and said, I so enjoyed that. Would you be willing to come to my house? Because I have four sisters and three cousins who would just love to do this. I had so much fun today. Would you come over to my house? And so Susan, of course, this is exactly what they want to see happen. So Susan said, yes, we'll come over and we'll bring the stuff. So Susan went there and week after week, they would gather these ladies together and they would sit around the table making crafty things whatever crafty things are, but you know, the things that happen whenever a bunch of ladies get together around a table with crafty things. Um, and very, very soon the conversation turns, of course, from family to faith. And Susan gets to share with these ladies about who Jesus is to her and why she follows Jesus. And she invites them, would you like to study the teachings of Jesus together? And so that's what they did. And within a relatively short period of time, five of these ladies said, now we want to follow the teachings of Jesus because if this is what te Jesus teaches and we have been trying to live it out, we believe there is hope here. How do we follow Jesus with all of our lives? And so Susan was able to start this small community of local ladies from a Muslim background who meet now together regularly studying the teachings of Jesus. There she was as a spouse. Does it only work with Americans going somewhere in the world with a job? Well, no, actually the future of mission, I believe, is gonna be primarily people from the same culture reaching their own culture. And so we have to raise those people up, a little bit like Moses. I met Moses in his village on the shores of Lake Tanganyika, a big stretch of water in the middle of Africa that borders the countries of the DRC, Tanzania, Zambia, and Burundi, right at the very top. And he was right over on the border of Tanzania. And this was a, a village that had no Christian witness whatsoever. And Moses was born in Zambia, grew up in Zambia, educated in Zambia, came to know Jesus in Zambia. We trained him, OM trained him in our base. And he said, I want to go to one of my own uh, people. And so off he went. We were able to supply some funds for him to f buy a fishing boat. So he had this big, long fishing boat. Um, that he was able to fish off because that's the main in industry on the lake. And he went, went to this village with his family, built a small house and started to live among them. And he invited some men to come fish in his boat and off they would go and they eat long and they would fish through the night and the long nights they would sit together and talk. And again, he would open the scriptures to them 
and start to teach them about Jesus. As he lived in the village, he uh, would demonstrate through his life how to treat your wife with honor in that culture. He would demonstrate what it looked like to be a father who loved and cared for his children in that culture. And people started to take notice. The first person to really take notice was the headman, a man called Andrew. I didn't make that up. That's true. That's his real name in the story, which happens to be my name in case you missed that earlier on. Um, But Andrew started to take notice and said, can I come fish in your boat because I need to learn some more. And so they would go out and Andrew would go fishing with Moses uh, on this boat and a few others at night. Moses picked up that one of the practices in the lake was that when a certain time of the month when the moon was full, the fish would go to other parts of the lake, but the locals had a superstition that they didn't know this, and they thought that it was the gods of the lake becoming angry with them. And so they would actually go home. When this happened, every month, they would go home, and they would take their small baby or an old person, and they would sacrifice them to the gods of the lake. Not one for the village, but one per boat. Every month, these human sacrifices were taking place. I don't want to go into any more details, but it was gruesome. And Moses was able then to demonstrate that at this time of the month when the moon was full, he went to a different part of the lake and caught fish. He told me this last time I was there, he said he was pulling in into the the shores in the morning time and his boat was full of fish. And another boat came in and it was empty. And the man looked in his boat and started to weep. And he said, who is your God? And Moses said, what do you mean? So, well, I, last night, I sacrificed my youngest baby and went out fishing thinking that I had satisfied the gods of the lake and my boat has come empty and I look at your boat and it's full. And so Moses was able to share with him uh, the gospel at that point. Today, if you go to that village, Moses is no longer there. Why? Because Andrew, the head man of the village, is now the pastor of the church. Child sacrifice is no longer present in that village. There's a school in that village that wasn't there beforehand. And Andrew and his church has already gone up to two or three more villages up the lake where they've established new churches, where they've gone in and done the same thing that Moses demonstrated to them. So now if you go up the side of the lake, there are multiple churches as a result of that. Moses coming in from Zambia to this little village, raising up a local leader, self-sustaining through this fishing boat, demonstrating through the whole of life what it looks like to follow Jesus, and a whole community is transformed, and now multiple communities. And if you go to the lake, uh, around that lake today, and not just through Moses, but through Robert, through Christopher, and a, a bunch of other men, there are now multiple generations of churches to the seventh generation in one part of the lake. That means a church that planted a church that planted a church that planted a church to seven generation through these local Zambians who have gone as fishermen into the lake to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as I finish my time with you, I just want to encourage you as you think of your life, this what I'm talking about is not for a few who will go and do it somewhere else. This is for the whole body of Christ to say, God, you have created me for a magnificent story, a magnificent plan that you have determined before time, and you've uniquely made me to live out that through how you've made me for your glory. 
and I want to step into that. I want to take my little piece of the puzzle, my life, fearfully and wonderfully made, and I want to submit it to this grand and glorious plan. My time, my talent, and my treasure is yours. And I believe that if we, the people of God, do that, here in Memphis, in Tennessee, in the U.S., and in the uttermost parts of the earth, I believe that we can see in our generation a time where we will see the number of least reached in this world dramatically change to a much lower number. And more importantly than that, to see people from every tribe, tongue, and nation coming to faith in Jesus because the people of God stepped into who they really are and lived their life out for the glory of God. May that be so both here and continually overseas through the witness of First Ivan. God bless.